I think most veterinarians, there's a very limited amount of time available to focus on learning some of the business and financial topics. It's really important to find someone to work with that can complement some of the areas where they need assistance. I'm Corey Brown, and this is Provides the Path to Owning It podcast, where I sit down with trusted industry experts and Provides Network to give you the tools and advice you need to take your practice ownership dreams into your own hands. From owning your own practice to expanding or improving an existing practice, we'll help pave the way for you to achieve your dental or veterinary career dreams and guide you through all the nuances of the practice ownership journey. Please make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. Today, we're here with Jason Kastner, the managing shareholder at Latcher McDonald and Company CPAs. Jason's role at the firm is to provide business consulting, tax, and accounting services to companion animal practices across the country. Jason works with his clients, beginning with their transition into ownership through ongoing management of their practices. His focus is on improving profitability and managing the impact it has on practice value. He is a certified public accountant, CPA, a certified valuation analyst, CVA, a member of Vet Partners, and actively involved in their Vet Partners Valuation Council. He has presented to groups of veterinarians and their staff all across the country at conferences, including the Veterinary Meeting and Expo, VMX, the Western Veterinary Conference, WVC, Southwest Veterinary Symposium, SWVS, and the American Animal Hospital Association Connexity, AAHA. Jason, my friend, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you hopping on and sharing your expertise with our audience. Corey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, that is quite an impressive bio and list of accomplishments. I have no doubt that you're the perfect person to discuss with our audience about the importance of working with a CPA who specializes in the vet industry. Can you tell us a little bit more about why that is and why a family member or friend that's also a CPA, for example, may not be the best choice? Yeah, absolutely. I have to admit, uh, hearing that bio, I was kind of looking over my shoulder, wondering <laughs> who we're talking about here, but I appreciate the warm welcome. Uh, yeah, I think it's really important, regardless, you know, even outside of the veterinary space, right? Any small business owner, it's really important for them to work with professionals that know and understand their industry or, or their profession. I think in the veterinary profession, it's just as true, maybe even more so. You know, in the veterinary space, I think most veterinarians' reason for going into veterinary medicine was not to own their own business or not to make a million dollars or take over the world in the business realm. I think it was their passion for animals, right? And, and they wanted to, many of them wanted to become veterinarians from a very young age. In order to achieve that dream, they had to focus on incredibly good grades in high school and in undergrad to get accepted to a veterinary school. In veterinary school, they had to learn how to become doctors of multiple species. Right. So there was a very limited amount of time available to focus on learning some of the business and financial topics that, you know, as they progress through their career and go from maybe initially becoming an associate working for someone else to becoming owners of their own business, really important to find someone to work with that can complement some of the areas where they need assistance, right? I feel like any successful business owner is wise to surround themselves with people and professionals that complement their areas of need. So, you know, compliment, not pat on the back and say, great job, but more compliment with an E. And I think CPAs that specialize in the veterinary space are in a good position to do that. And Jason, can you just expand a little bit on what kind of specialized knowledge a CPA who specializes like you uh, can bring to practice owners? 
Sure. You know, CPAs, uh, generally speaking, work with many different businesses. They get to see a lot of what works really well, maybe see some things that don't work well in businesses in general. So if we can find a CPA that works with many veterinary practices, they can do the same thing specific to the veterinary space, right? So, you know, many CPAs are incredibly smart people, uh, very good with taxes and with accounting. But if they only work with one or two veterinary practices, it's more difficult to look at the financial results and be able to make meaningful decisions based on what they're seeing. It's, it's more difficult to identify good trends, bad trends. And so finding someone that works with 30 or 60 or, you know, we work with more than 100 veterinary practices across the country, it just makes it easier for us to be able to identify opportunities when they arise. If nothing else, I'd love for people to understand that your CPA can do a heck of a lot more than just file your taxes. And that's a great segue into my next question. So besides helping doctors prepare for taxes, which I'm sure most think of when they think of CPAs, and what other ways can you help an established hospital owner be more profitable? I think understanding basic business principles, understanding profitability, understanding cash flow, And being in a position to be able to make looking at the financial results of the practice intentional and timely. So we're big believers in looking at the financial results on a quarterly basis. You know, many times people think of, well, it's the end of the year, I have to send my information to my CPA to do my taxes. We want to look at it much more frequently than that. And so by looking at it quarterly, if something's really gone awry, we can identify that and talk to the business owner, the practice owner about, hey, with a little bit of modulation to what we're doing, we might be able to get things right back on track. Just an example of this we had, this is many years ago, a practice that our firm still works with. And actually we've worked with this firm through a transition from the prior owner who started the practice selling to an associate. But this is back when we worked with the original owner. They were big believers in preventative care and lab work was a huge component of their revenue. And we'll talk a little bit more, hopefully, about understanding your sources of revenue later in the discussion. But for them, we knew that lab revenue was 18 to 20 percent of the practice's revenue, very significant. And for a senior profile, which back then, I think it was Antec, had a a special marketing about senior at seven. So pets that were seven years old or older were considered seniors, still are most places. And for those senior pets, this practice owner wanted to do wellness blood work. Every year, we want to look and see what's going on inside. You know, the pet's not being able to tell us what's wrong. We need to find out. And so at the beginning of the year, we had talked with them about raising their prices across the board 3% back then. Inflation was running at maybe 2% or something. So we said, hey, 3% is good. And they used to charge $140 for that senior profile. Well, we get to the end of the first quarter. It's early May. We're looking at the numbers and we see that lab revenue wasn't nearly 18 or 20%. It's like 14.5% of revenue. Profitability is dramatically lower than we expected it and where it's been in prior years. And so we bring this up at our quarterly call and the owner kind of shakes his head knowingly and says, well, yeah, you know, what I did was to get more clients to adhere to our recommendations, I went ahead and I lowered the price of that senior profile from $140. And again, it was supposed to go up to 145, right? It was supposed to go up 3%, right? But I lowered it to 99. And by lowering it below 100, I think a lot more people are going to do it now and follow our recommendations. 
And after picking my jaw up off the floor, I said, okay, well, we need to prove the validity of this uh, assumption we've made. And so we went back and had the practice manager look at, let's see the number of senior profiles that were done in the first quarter of this year, the current year, and how many were done in the previous year, first quarter. And what we learned was the number was almost identical. There was virtually no change in client behavior from lowering the price of that test from 140 to $99. And so that was an eye-opener for the client. And quite frankly, it was an eye-opener for me. And this is 12, 14 years ago. And it was kind of at that point where I realized that pricing in the veterinary space is a lot more elastic than most practice owners realize. And because we looked at it on a quarterly basis, we were able to identify that, make the change, and get the profit back on track. But going back to the point of if we're not looking at that on a regular basis, right, if a whole year had gone by, um, we would have missed that opportunity for a much longer period of time. And worse, if no one was looking at it and we just sent that information to the accountant to do the taxes, the profitability of that practice would have been damaged for a long, long time. Yeah. What a great example. and shows the importance of why you do those quarterly checks, certainly. When you're doing those, you know, what other key performance indicators or KPIs are important to monitor? you know, besides the lab work that you had mentioned before? What are you looking for in those? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a few primary KPIs, key performance indicators that we look for, some of them from the practice management software and some of them from the accounting software. Being a good accountant, I'll start with the accounting side. <laughs> uh, we certainly look at breakdown of revenue. And that's one thing we want to talk about is making sure that we can see how much of our revenue is coming from different sources. Maybe it's lab work, maybe it's reference lab versus in-house lab, pharmacy, online pharmacy, dentistry, uh, radiology, those kind of things. We also look at cost of goods sold as a percentage of revenue. That's one of the key things we look at. We look at cost of non-doctor labor also as a percentage of revenue. Those are from the accounting side. And then from the practice management reports, we want to look at the number of new clients that are coming in each month. We want to compare that to how many full-time doctors do we have so we can kind of get a relationship of new clients to full-time doctors. And we want to compare doctor pay to their production, which puts a lot of pressure on the uh, practice management software being set up properly so that we can track doctor production. And we want to see those doctors average transaction charge. That's another big KPI that we focus on quite a bit. Great. And I'm just wondering, Jason, are any one of those more important than the next? Is, are they weighted in any certain way when you're looking at those? Yeah, probably the two that we look at most aggressively, and this could be our accounting nature, <laughs> is the cost of goods sold percentage and the cost of non-doctor labor and we really uh, want to understand how each practice is a little bit different so that we can set goals for that particular practice based on the revenue sources for that practice. So for instance, we created a little internal thing, we call it COGS theory, cost of goods sold theory. And in it, we calculate a specific goal for a certain practice predicated on what percentage of the revenue is derived from different sources. And by creating that goal, it allows us to kind of say, okay, if our cost of goods sold is 22%, then we're going to set our cost of labor goal also based on what we learned about the cost of goods sold. So those two are, are the two that I go to right away. I know that if I look at the cost of goods sold 
and the cost of labor, non-doctor labor I'm talking about, not with all the benefits, just gross pay. And if those two added together are more than 45% of the revenue of the practice, we know pretty quick that this practice is not as profitable as we think it can be. We don't know exactly what the cause is yet, but we know enough to start digging in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned inflation earlier and, you know, that's something that we're hearing a lot about right now. How are your clients dealing with the higher inflation that's happening? And is things like raising fees something that you would recommend to counteract the impacts of inflation? Yeah, absolutely. Both things are really important. So in terms of raising fees, I'll probably say this a few times today. Absolutely. I think raising fees are absolutely mandatory. You know, hard stop has to happen. And it's a little bit more complex than that. But big picture, yes, that's a big part of dealing with inflation. One of the things that we found with inflation is that the impact started even before some of the national media grabbed a hold of it, right? So even before the consumer price index was racing up towards eight last year, we started seeing in early 2021 a lot of inflation on the labor side of things. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Part of it is I think labor rates in the veterinary profession have been far too low for far too long. And in early 2021, the impacts of COVID, you know, there's plenty of reasons why people maybe didn't want to go back to work, whether they were afraid or they were receiving unemployment pay. A lot of different causes for people to expect a higher level of pay. And so in early 21, we really started talking aggressively with our clients about understanding the importance of staying ahead of the labor curve. And that meant for many practice owners that were accustomed to giving their staff a 50 cent raise every year, you know, they were giving $1.50, $2 per hour pay increases in early 21. And if they didn't, they were really running the risk of losing vital team members. So, you know, that was one of the biggest things that we saw, you know, and we've seen it throughout 2021 and 2022 is, you know, the practices that were quick to react and able to increase pay properly, along with keeping a good environment for their team, right, were able to maintain their team. And they were able to have enough doctors and technicians and CSRs to be able to meet the demand that was coming at them while COVID was in full swing. Those practices that were slow to react to inflation specific to labor, in this case, they struggled. They lost people, whether to other practices or to outside of the profession. And those practices struggled with financial growth, their revenue. Some of them stayed flat or shrank. And uh, unfortunately, worse than that is the staff members that remained were actually you know, working harder and more stressed out than they were prior. So it was kind of a double whammy, if you will, of not addressing inflation very timely. Yeah, and I'm sure that has an impact on the overall profitability of even the overall animal hospital value, you know, when not able to retain staff that's maybe been there for a long time. So that's vitally important. You know, we've talked a lot about how to make one's hospital more profitable, but when we return, I'd like to discuss the impact profitability has on the overall animal hospital value. More with Jason when we return. Meet the newest reason to finance your dream practice with Provide, the Provide Card, the credit card built specifically for dental and veterinary practice owners. Available in addition to your Provide practice loan, with the Provide Card, you'll be transported to a world of new opportunities for your practice, where you can securely make bulk supply orders and earn tailored rewards on your purchases. You can earn up to 3% rewards on healthcare practice and lab supplies 
and 1% rewards on all other purchases all the time with no rotating categories and no point expiration. At Provide, we're creating the future of personalized banking for healthcare practice owners. To learn how to apply for your tailored card with tailored benefits, contact your Provide representative or visit getprovide.com providecard for more information, including rewards terms and conditions. I'm Corey Brown, and this is Provide's The Path to Owning It podcast. We're back with Jason Kastner, CPA with Latcher McDonald & Company, to discuss how to maintain a financially healthy veterinary hospital in ways you can positively affect your hospital's value. Jason, any um, tips that you can give us uh, in our audience about ways that veterinarians can work smarter instead of just harder to help generate value? Yeah, absolutely, Corey. I think we touched on one of them just a minute ago, but if you haven't raised prices in the last six months, start there and take a good look at your price structure and decide if you need to increase to account for inflation. I think that's really important. Recognize you don't have to do everything yourself. I think a lot of practice owners began as maybe a startup and they've grown their practice. Now, all of a sudden you look around, you have four doctors, you have a practice manager. Just recognize you have a team there for a reason. Utilize that team and invest in that team, um, pay them, train them, onboard new team members properly. If you have the right team and they're trained up and they're all working in the same direction, the impact that that has to revenue and profitability is substantial. And I always tell our clients, it's much more fun to grow revenue than it is to shrink expenses, right? We don't want to sit there and say, hey, the next person that walks in with a green shirt is fired. Yeah. We want to focus on how do we get that person wearing a green shirt to be more productive, to be more on board with the team philosophy. And by doing so, we provide better medical care and that leads to a better financial reward. Sure. And when you're tracking kind of the finances and revenue of the practice, is there any software you'd recommend that veterinarians use to help keep track of their expenses? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, veterinarians have practice management software, of course, to do their scheduling and maintain medical records. But for expenses, we recommend QuickBooks. There are two versions of QuickBooks, a desktop version and an online version. We prefer the desktop version, just a little bit more robust than the QuickBooks Online or QBO. The main benefit to QBO, it's it's in the cloud. And if you're trying to access your QuickBooks from all over you know, the country or from anywhere in the world, QBO is, is a good option. Most of our clients tend to access their QuickBooks from their laptop or from their desktop computer, don't necessarily need that access from anywhere. So we prefer the desktop version. Thank you for sharing that. And you had mentioned employee costs before, and you know we've been talking about inflation. So with rising employee costs, how can doctors afford to pay their current employees more? Yeah, I sound like a broken record here. Of <laughs> Certainly raising prices is the easy answer, right? If we're looking for that easy button, that's it. Big picture, if you raise your prices 6% and you give 6% raises, employees are making more money and the practice is actually more profitable. So we have to address that first and foremost. And then the other piece of it is just making sure we're onboarding and training the employees properly. So again, we're back all on that same team with the same goal. I think when we have team members that understand the philosophy we have, say on dentistry or on wellness blood work, and they're a part of that education process with the clients, that's going to lead to better medicine. That's going to lead to better financial results. That puts the practice owner in a much better position to be able to pay higher rates of pay to their employees. 
And from both a financial and kind of an office culture perspective, how can doctors continue to hire when new employees coming in expect to make more than maybe some of the current employees who have worked at the hospital longer? Right. This is a great, a great question. All your questions are great, Corey, but, <laughs> but this one is really a huge issue. I mean, we hear this so much from practice owners and practice managers. It's very stressful, you know, when they have an employee that's been with the practice for a long time and maybe their pay has not escalated up to what the current market would dictate. They're afraid to put an ad on, let's say, Indeed for uh, the same position for $2 more per hour because what happens when our longtime employee sees that? We can't do it. The answer is you can't do it. If people are equally trained and equally talented, they need to be paid evenly. And so one of the things that we've been doing the past two years since the beginning of 21 is talking with our clients about job tiers. Effectively, job tiers is just a new way to say a job description. It's, it's a job description that kind of kicks it up a notch where it has the job description It includes all the skills that have to be mastered at that level, along with what skills would need to be mastered to move up to the next tier, right? And then it includes a pay range for each tier. So by doing that, defining those skills, you provide your employees a roadmap that they can see what skills they need to master to further their career. And I think that's really important. I feel like a lot of people in all professions and all industries cite one of the reasons for leaving their employment is... They didn't see a long-term career there. They didn't see the path, right? So we want to help them see the path by providing those job tiers. And then it's up to them. If they want to advance their career and learn and master new skills, they can be promoted. And then that new tier, that higher level comes with a higher pay range. And so it's very clear cut. It's black and white. I think both the employer and employee can see it. Um, We originally started talking about this to help the owner and the practice manager understand, just provide them some structure because they were uncomfortable feeling wishy-washy or feeling like they were playing favorites. And by using the job tiers that everyone can read and see, it just provides a lot of transparency to a career progression at a veterinary practice. Jason, I think that's so smart. And, you know, in an office environment, a lot of times people kind of do a little bit of everything. So defining those roles, I think, is super important. Um, Let's talk about additional doctors. When is it safe to assume that an established owner can afford or need to hire uh, another doctor? Yeah. And the quick answer is when you're no longer accepting new clients, you know, oh my (laughs) gosh, we need a new doctor. Uh, Hopefully we're a little more ahead of it than that. And we talk to our clients about backlog. So in two respects, one is how long does it take for a client or a prospective client to get in for a wellness exam? And we're in the month of February. For most of our practices around the country, it's not the busiest month of the year. And in a non-busy month, if you're more than two weeks backlogged for a wellness exam, it's time to start having that conversation. Do we need to be talking about hiring a doctor? Let's understand the market is so tight with doctors that just because we decide we want to hire one doesn't mean we're going to get one right away. Mm -hmm. So we need a little lead time. So we're going to start that conversation. The other thing we look at in addition to wellness uh, visits is non-emergency surgery. And again, if you're in a slower month, theoretically, and you're two months or more out for spays and neuters and dentistries, that's a problem. Uh, You're losing business because you don't have the capacity to serve the demand. So it's time to start talking about bringing on a doctor. Are there other things you look at before bringing on a doctor, such as hours or maybe more efficient scheduling, anything like that as well? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it depends what the backlog is. You know, we do have some clients that have enough doctors. They have a limitation maybe is physical. They don't have enough exam rooms. That could be a part of the problem. During COVID, we were sort of lulled to sleep a little bit because no one was coming into the practices for a while. So the practices could use the entire area within the building for exams. But now that people are, most places are coming back into the practice, exam rooms have become a limiting factor. So we have to look at that. Yeah. You know, are hours the limiting factor? So absolutely. I I jump to doctors because for many of our practices, it really is what's needed. Yeah. But it's important to understand what's the limitation. And let's talk a little bit more about evaluating the worth of a hospital. You know, as a certified valuation analyst and active member of Vet Partners Valuation Council, I would imagine you'd have a unique perspective that you can tell us about evaluating the worth of a hospital. Absolutely. Um, The main reason I became a certified valuation analyst was, you know, a brief example. We had a husband and wife team. They wanted us to value their practice and they were going to sell 30 percent of their practice to an associate based on the value we provided. We were young and dumb and we did the valuation and sat down with them and showed them that their $750,000 grossing practice was worth about $300,000. And the wife started crying immediately because they assumed that the value was considerably higher. Yeah. And that was the point when I realized, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this ever again. And so as a member of the Vet Partners Valuation Council, around that same time, other members of that council were seeing the same thing. And we built this, a term called, a term to the uh, no low practice, no or low value practice, and built out some information and some tools to help practice owners identify if they were a no or a low value practice. And so part of my you know, personal goal within my job here at Latcher McDonald is to help practice owners identify if they are no and low and no and low value and correct that way before it's time to get evaluation done. Yeah, and if you could say one thing to establish hospital owners today to affect the most positive change in their hospital value or worth, what would you tell them? If your practice is not profitable, it's not valuable. And sometimes that's hard to hear, but every practice owner will say that they're practicing good medicine and have a great team, and I hope that that's the case. But a potential buyer expects that it has to be paired with a profitable and proven business model. I would imagine having a trusted CPA is a great way to identify other opportunities to increase the value of your practice. So how can established owners go about choosing a CPA who's right for them? So I would recommend, I'm a member of Vet Partners National Association of Consultants for the Veterinary Space. I'm a big believer in that association. I encourage your listeners to go to vetpartners.org scan through the list of members, identify a couple that might meet the needs that you're looking for, and then reach out to them, talk to them. The most important, there's so many smart people in that group, Corey. Yeah. I think the main thing is to find someone that fits the need that you have and that you can interact with and communicate with. I think that's the biggest piece. If you're going to be comfortable asking them questions and they're great about getting back to you and asking you questions, I think that's a really good recipe for success. That's great advice. Uh, If our listeners, uh, after hearing this episode, would like to work with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Yeah, I would say check out our website at latchercpa.com. That's L-A-C-H-E-R-C-P-A.com. Or you can email me directly at jkastner at latchercpa.com. That's J-C-A-S-T-N-E-R at latchercpa.com. 
Jason, I really appreciate you uh, giving us a glimpse into the world of hospital ownership and sharing these really valuable tips on how to create and maintain a financially healthy veterinary hospital. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Corey. It was great. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Path to Owning It. If you're ready to take your practice ownership dreams into your own hands, be sure to visit getprovide.com to pre-qualify and browse our practice marketplace or check out our news page for more helpful resources. The Path to Owning It is brought to you by the team at Provide with production assistance from Sarah Parkey and Slide 9 Agency. And it's produced by PodCamp Media, branded podcast production for businesses, podcampmedia.com. Producer Dusty Weiss, editor Mackie Macunda. For Provide, I'm Corey Brown. Thanks for being on the journey with us. Provide is a division of Fifth Third Bank National Association. All opinions expressed by the participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Provide, its affiliates, or Fifth Third Bank. The participants' opinions are based on information they consider reliable, but neither Provide, its affiliates, nor Fifth Third Bank warrant its completeness or accuracy and should not be relied upon as such. This content is for informational purposes and does not constitute the rendering of legal accounting tax or investment advice or other professional services by Provide or any of its affiliates. Please consult with appropriate professionals related to your individual circumstances. All lending is subject to review and approval.